Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, Senior Pastor of Genesis in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alum, which means we have spent time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. Thanks, Ruth. And I want to let you know we appreciate the great response we've had to the first four seasons of the podcast. And we would love to bring more seasons and expand what we're doing with the podcast. But all those things take financial resources. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, we invite you to become a monthly patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com and searching for Strengthening the Soul of your leadership podcast. Steve, what is Patreon? I don't even know what that is. Oh my gosh, you're such a Luddite. <laughs> I know. Just enlighten me, please. Patreon is a great way that people who listen to you and who love the Ministry of Transforming Center and who've gotten things out of this podcast to be able to give $2 a month, $5 a month or more, and they get they get bonus content from you, Ruth, that no one else gets. Exclusive <laughs> Wonderful. bonus content. There's no downside to that, is there? There is no, no downside. downside. So go to patreon.com, everybody. Search for Ruth Haley Barton or Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. And please join us by becoming a monthly patron. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode eight. This one's called Emptiness. And we've spent seven episodes, Ruth, essentially talking about the importance of rest for the body, the mind, and the soul. We've talked about how to tangibly move into that and experience those things through the disciplines of, or the practices of solitude and silence. And uh, so now that we're maybe in a place of some replenishment, what comes next? And let's tie it back to Elijah's story. Mm -hmm. Well, you'd think that once Elijah had gotten that honest with God, that God might have given the guy a break, right? A party, you know, maybe. Some, anything, like, anything, like an arm around yeah, the shoulder, hey, there, buddy, there. Go. You're going to be all right, buddy. Buck up, get back out there. Um, I've often thought that this might have been a good time for a halftime speech, yeah. you know, that a football coach might give. You know, this is your time. Get out mm. there. You can do it, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But God didn't do it. He wasn't overly comforting. Mm -mm. He wasn't overly inspirational. Instead, he says to Elijah, okay, I think we're finally getting somewhere. Take that. Take all that. The good, the bad, the ugly, the rawness of it, the vulnerability of it, the unfixableness of it all. Take that. Take all that and stand on the mountain and wait for me. Wow. Um, and we begin to see why Elijah had to rest because it takes stamina to just stay with this. Oftentimes people will say, is there anything I can do wrong in solitude? And I say, no, the only thing you can do wrong in solitude is leave, hmm. you know? Um, but during these times where what's being stirred up is deep, it can take some real stamina to stay in it as opposed to just going back to your ordinary distractions, all the ways you typically uh, distract yourself. So... Elijah does what God tells him to do. And he uh, goes to the entrance of this cave and he stands out there on the side of the mountain and there's this chaos that gets stirred up. And again, I take this passage literally. I think there was a little earthquake, wind and fire, but I also think that it's a metaphor for what can get stirred up in us when we've been quiet long enough for all of our distractions to fall away, all of our normal scaffolding, our way of identifying ourselves with other people to other people 
everything that typically we use to shore up our sense of self, all that stuff has now fallen away. And there we are much more naked and vulnerable in God's presence with all of our stuff, you know, the great unfixables of our lives, just sort of hanging out there. The biggest questions we have, what's unresolved within us. Um, all of that is just there now on the surface of our lives rather than pressed down and pushed down. So, so that is what's happening for Elijah right now is that there's this, this, emptiness that he has to face into as you were going through that i just felt like almost Mm -hmm. elijah could have wept in Mm -hmm. utter grief and terror or almost laughed right like well there's nothing else Mm -hmm. there is i'm hiding nothing right here i Mm -hmm. am you want me to meet you at the corner of the cave Mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah and at this moment god hasn't given him much no you know so so now he's Not just facing, even, really. yeah, he's just facing the empty places in yeah. his own life. And I think this is the moment when, you know, people start to think about maybe fleeing the whole experience and saying this solitude stuff, it does not work. I'm out of here, you know? Right. So I want to, I want to sort of pick apart this idea that God said, okay, meet me at the entrance of the cave. Um, there's all this movement. Elijah's moving away from people, away from Jezebel, mm-hmm. away from some of this false self stuff. And now he's moving towards something and it's, uh, and he has been, he's been walking toward it. But right now we're in this moment where he's really choosing to walk towards mm-hmm. something. Yeah. What Rather is it to that go he's back. walking towards? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I don't, you know, it's hard for us to know how much Elijah knew even what he was doing at this point or what he was walking towards. But we do know that I think, I think he had a sense that the, the that there was no going back. He couldn't go back to his life the way that it was. So he had to keep walking toward God. He had to trust and believe that there was something more for him than he yet had. Um, sort of like the disciples in the New Testament where Jesus says, are you going to leave too? And they say, well, where would we go? Right, you right, have the right. words of eternal life. I don't think Elijah felt he had much of a choice except to keep you know, pursuing, seeking the more that this represented for him, even though right now it felt very empty. Yeah, this reminds me of the phrase, you can't unsee what Mm -hmm. you've already seen. Right. Meaning there's there's no going back to that. I mean, even if I wanted to in some way, I couldn't Mm -hmm. because I'm not in that plane anymore. Right. So Elijah's walking on some level to mystery, uh, go and meet God, the the faceless God. Um, Mount Horeb is surrounded by deserts on all sides. Why do you think mm-hmm. God chooses to meet us in the middle of such stark, mm-hmm. vast emptiness? Yeah. Well, I mean, I wonder if it is the fact that there are no distractions. Yeah. You know, that he's trying to strip it down, strip life down to its barest essence where we have very little to distract us anymore. Um, because God's wise in that way, too. God doesn't typically compete um, and try to yell to, you know, to you right. know drown out other voices. I think... God wants to talk to us when we're ready. And one part of the readiness is that a lot of the other noise and distraction has fallen away so that we can actually hear and be present to the challenging, you know, conversation that we're now almost in the midst of with God, you know? Yeah. We're almost Mm -hmm. there. And I take some comfort in it. It takes so long in yeah. the story. For yes, him, for I do too. There. I love the fact that Elijah's story shows us that solitude mm-hmm. and silence are not quick fix disciplines mm-hmm. at all. They, they are a function of time. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
as time goes by, you settle down. As time goes by, more of the distraction falls away. As time goes by, you're more able to bring your full attention to God rather than being distracted by other things. Mm-hmm. Reminds me a little bit of Moses when after 40 years, he doesn't even own his own sheep for crying right. out loud. Mm-hmm. There's father-in-law's yeah. sheep and he's, you know, just doing the, the, mm-hmm. the duty that he's yeah. done every day for years right. and years and years. And then... Mm-hmm. Got the burning bush and yes. God shows up and I will be what I will be. Mm-hmm. And, and again, there, there's just this comfort of God will eventually mm-hmm. meet us in this yeah. vast emptiness mm-hmm. if we don't leave. Right. Right. Um, how have you experienced God in the places of emptiness in your own mm-hmm. soul and life and ministry? Well, there's almost an imperceptible filling that happens where um, you don't need so desperately what you used to need in order to feel full and to feel well. You know, Um, that old hymn, the things of earth will go Mm -hmm. grow strangely Mm -hmm. dim is really true Mm -hmm. in solitude that the presence of God becomes more and more real and the things of earth are more and more dim. So that's, that's something that definitely happens, I think, in a substantive practice of solitude and silence. I mean, early on, um, God does give us, he's very gracious and gives us warm experiences. But, but, you know, early on, there's emptiness to be faced. And so you have to be willing to hang in there through that. But eventually there is a fullness that fills. Mm-hmm. And it's very different than the way anything else fills. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a place you need to keep coming back to as well, because it's the only place where that feeling really happens. And you know it now, mm-hmm. you know that nothing out there ever satisfies what it is that you experience when you're with God in, the, in these intimate ways. Yeah. Um, and I think to the emptiness that we feel in the face of the great unfixables of our lives or the things that we need wisdom for, but we really don't have it. Um, it's amazing what God gives on those fronts in these times as well that, that you actually hear things like the story that I told about the book, mm-hmm. you know, equal to the task. I, I, there was, there's no way to get that unless mm-hmm. you stop and listen, Yeah, you know, and the answer is different than the answer anybody else would have given. Nobody yeah. else would have suggested that. No. Um, and it's the same for all aspects of life that need more wisdom than what we have right now. Do you, do you have a prayer? Not that it's a nifty tidy thing, but Instead of, oh God, please solve it, mm-hmm. a prayer that would lead us to encounter God in the emptiness. Do you, do you have any mm-hmm. prayer like that? That, no, I, now I'm, I am to a point where at that, at that point, I'm not using words it's anymore. Wordless. It's more the body. I mean, honestly, this, the opening of the hands, and you've seen me do mm-hmm. this so mm-hmm. many times because mm-hmm. you've been sitting across from me so many times. Now, anybody who's been with me sees me do that multiple times on any retreat, that is my prayer. The opening of the hands is my prayer. You can tell that I'm praying. If I'm opening my hands, I am praying. My whole self is mm-hmm. oriented toward I'm not even thinking about you anymore. Once mm-hmm. I open my hands, I'm yeah. it's it's all yeah. going it's all going horizontal <laughs> horizontal, you know. So now, yeah, it's it would be the opening of the hands and getting into that prayer position that actually opens me. It's not words at that point. But that's fascinating, Ruth, mm-hmm. because what that says to me is after years and years mm-hmm. and years and years of doing that, your soul, mind, and body have like muscle memory, you mm-hmm. know? And when you get yeah. into that 
posi- it mm-hmm. doesn't take any time at all. No, not you're, at all. And it helps there. me to do something that actually on the level of my mind, I might not even be able to, depending on how stressful a situation is, my mind might actually not even be able to let go at that point. But, but coming into that prayer posture helps me then to turn my whole self towards God in yeah. ways that words never would or could. Right. And again, we're back in the mind. Like mm-hmm. the, 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 there's a way in which praying is just worrying. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like in a certain way, like not to shame anyone mm-hmm. or not to make it like you can't pray wrong, mm-hmm. but um, there's a more restful. Yeah. There's a more mm-hmm. restful way of, right. of, of praying. And it's fascinating to me that, that we find it in these, in this place where there's no scaffolding, mm-hmm. where there's no answers and where there's really no one else, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like there is that place where even the person that knows you the most, the mm-hmm. human being, right. Can't really walk in there with you or know what's yeah. happening yeah. in that space. Yeah. And that is pretty intimate mm-hmm. to meet God in that place. Yeah. I remember one time, this was years ago, Ruth, but 15, 16 years ago, I really wanted this job because mm-hmm. this job would have been this particular yeah. job would have fed every, it was uniquely designed to, to itch every, mm-hmm. uh, to scratch, to scratch every, itch. every yeah. ego mm-hmm. itch that I had. I'm, I'm serious. And, and I had, I thought I had no chance of getting mm-hmm. it, but then it got down to two people mm-hmm. and then I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it took a long, it was a long process mm-hmm. and I was so hurt and oh. angry. And I remember sitting across I was sitting on my love seat and God was on my green ottoman. Mm-hmm. And I remember pointing at my green ottoman mm-hmm. slash God and saying, the ball is now in your court. <laughs> and I've shared this story over and over again, but it's like to, th- th- there was actually a, um, a comfort that came mm-hmm. in that moment because, you know, like my sense in that moment was God was totally great with me expressing mm-hmm. that kind of in, infantile right. <laughs> shouting match mm-hmm. at, at God. But also it was like this sense of, okay, now, now we're going to do some mm-hmm. stuff. Like now, yeah. now we can, now we can meet with each mm-hmm. other because now you're playing on my, right. like mm-hmm. you're, you're honest. Right. If I could be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I, th- there is this, there is this, this place that God meets us in emptiness. That's, that's hard to describe. Um, but I think Elijah finds it. Okay, and so even though uh, what I just said was there's a sense of only you can go into these mm-hmm. to these places, there's also a sense that you you better not go in there alone. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so talk more about yeah, that. Yeah. So like for me, I've I've had really good spiritual direction for so many years, and especially when I was first beginning to walk into solitude and silence and face some of the emptiness and anger and um, drivenness of my life. I, th- I think I kind of intuitively knew that I couldn't do it all by myself. And so at least having one person, a spiritual director who knew where I was going and knew what I was walking into felt like a safety net for me. And as I accepted the call myself to, to serve as a spiritual director and began to meet with people in that way, sometimes when I would see that they were on the brink of entering into an empty place or a place that could sweep them away with emotion or whatever, I would actually reassure them by saying now you know i'm let's just pretend that you have a rope around your waist Mm -hmm. and you're going into the emptiness but i have the other end of the rope yeah so if you're in there too long or if it feels too dangerous you just tug on the rope i'll pull you know Mm -hmm. you're not by yourself i've got you and that seemed to give people courage and some sense that that 
while they were alone and none, no one can take our journeys for us, at least they weren't ultimately alone, that someone knew where they were, um, was covering for them and would pull on the rope if, if they, if they, if they went in there and couldn't get out, yeah. you know, if, yeah. so, cause some, you know, there's, there's very deep experiences that we have in life that, that it's hard to do all the work just all by yourself with God. You need some human support. Oh yeah. People who are a little bit further on that journey and can at least be present to what you're going through. Witnesses, to be a witness, as you said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just another, just one more question about that. So this question is for spiritual companions, spiritual friends, pastors, people that are helping to walk alongside or bear witness to someone else's story. How do they throw that mm-hmm. rope around the, the person without being codependent or mm-hmm. being weird? How do, how do you do that actually? Well, I think um, checking in with each other, yeah. you know, can be a good thing. Just um, knowing that somebody's like, if you drop out of sight and don't show yourself for a while, somebody's going to come after you. Yeah. yeah. Someone who knows what you're doing. Um, and I, I think it is really important for spiritual companions to know when sometimes something else is needed. Encourage it, like mm-hmm. a spiritual director or a therapist or a doctor who might, you know, explore some medical things with them that the spiritual companion needs to be realistic about what they can and cannot do and what they can and cannot offer and really encourage that person to get the kind of help they need if they need it. Um, That can be really important. Just even knowing that somebody knows what you're attempting to do in your life and is Mm -hmm. holding you prayerfully Mm -hmm. can be really, really helpful. Um, Now, a spiritual companion, anyone who works with other people, needs to keep in mind that that they can be what they can be, but God is the ultimate one. Yeah. 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 But I think even saying that, Mm -hmm. reminding yourself, I can help, I can be present, Mm -hmm. but... Yeah. um, Right. And that is no small thing. No, it's not a small thing at all. To not try to fix someone, Mm -hmm. to not try to take their journey for them, to not prescribe what steps they should Mm -hmm. take, just to give the gift of presence is actually Mm -hmm. a huge gift. Right. To see the to, to see the pain to mm-hmm. to be able to acknowledge with them the empty place mm-hmm. um, and and also to be someone who holds faith for them too that uh, this is this is what the journey's like but you're on it and you're gonna be okay. Man, um, there was one time four or five years ago I got pneumonia. I mean, mm-hmm. really, really bad. I was coughing up blood yeah. and in the movies. Wow. That's when someone, like the next mm-hmm. scene is the grave. Is the, yes. Um, and my brother-in-law came over mm-hmm. to take me to the doctor one mm-hmm. time. And I, I'm not sure why he came over, why Mary didn't, didn't mm-hmm. maybe the kids. But um, he, I, I got into his truck and I walked so slow, Ruth. Mm. Oh, wow. I mean, I could hardly wow. walk. Mm. But he just, mm. he walked real slow yeah. with me into that doctor's office. Mm-hmm. He gave me this little, you know, mask so I wouldn't <laughs> breathe on him. <laughs> Um, and there was nothing he could mm-hmm. do other than drive me to yeah. the doctor's office right. and walk in there mm-hmm. with me. That was it. Yeah. But you weren't alone. Let me tell you, it was huge. Mm-hmm. It was a huge gift. Yeah. Cause I felt, I had never felt mm-hmm. so incapacitated yeah. in my life. Wow. Couldn't breathe, mm-hmm. couldn't walk, couldn't sleep, mm-hmm. couldn't, wow. it was awful. And, yeah. um, so that, that ministry of presence is mm-hmm. big. It's big. Um, Lead us into a practice, if you would. All right. Um, 
Well, let's just acknowledge that we all have places in our lives that feel empty. Can we do that and know that we're not alone in that experience? And sometimes, oddly enough, we can have places of emptiness that exist simultaneously with places that are very full. The empty places, of course, are the ones that we usually try to avoid acknowledging, and yet God is waiting to meet us in that emptiness. So let's take our breaths. And at this moment, just acknowledge the place in your life that feels empty. Maybe you're someone who is single and wishes you were married. Maybe you're someone who's married, but the marriage isn't satisfying. Maybe you're someone who never got that full, unconditional, I love you from your mother or your father, and your heart still longs for that. Maybe your place of emptiness is vocational, and you still don't have any kind of vocational job that feels like you bring yourself to it and that utilizes your gifts fully. Maybe you have vocational longings and you've never been able to fully live into them. Maybe your place of emptiness is a longing to have a child and God has not given you that gift yet. Or and maybe you're even beyond the ability for that anymore. Maybe there's a relationship that fell apart and you can't imagine going on without it. Be brave enough to acknowledge the emptiness today. Even in the midst of fullness, most of us have a place that is empty. So are you willing to acknowledge that place and to walk into it as Elijah did? To say to God honestly the truth about the good, the bad, and the ugly in your own life. And maybe now for this moment, as your hands are open on your lap, allow your hands, your open hands to signify the empty place. But now also imagine that that emptiness might also be a receptacle for the presence of God. A place that God wants to fill in some way that you can't even yet imagine. And are you brave enough to just let the empty place be what it is? To let it be empty, but to let it to be, to let it be a receptacle for the presence of God, a place of openness, a place, place of receptivity, even a place of spiritual possibility. What would it be like to experience your emptiness in that way?
Oh God, may even our emptiness create space for you. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts to choose from, and we are grateful you spent the last 30 minutes with us. If God has stirred something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin your own journey of leadership transformation. I was a part of Transforming Community Number 6 way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. Transforming Community is a practice-based spiritual formation journey with nine quarterly retreats. The Transforming Community is designed to integrate your spirituality and leadership, helping you reclaim practices and experiences spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. Also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, we would love to hear from you, and there are three ways that you can respond. One is going to patreon.com, search for Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast, and you can become a monthly patron at various levels. Second is that you can share your favorite episode with friends. And third is you can go onto iTunes and leave a rating and review. To find out more about the Transforming Community Experience or to apply, go to transformingcenter.org. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. May you